Live. So live Noster News, here we are. (laughs) And uh, this is a a first for us to do it in this format where we're each in different places. I think all of our Noster News in the past have been in the studio in San Francisco, <laughs> just like an extra bedroom yeah. in my place. But um, but yeah, now we're, wh- where are you at the moment? You know, at the moment, I'm just at a WeWork. Um, I was out and about grabbing an extra tripod at my girlfriend's house. So I couldn't find mine and she happens to live close to here. I got a sunny room and said, let's go. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 miss, I miss your spot though, DK, both because it's fun to do it with you in person and you have the equipment, but also... You know, walking into the the presidio is always fun. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll do it uh, next week. I should be back. We've we've kind of been on a little bit of a trip. We took a road trip. Uh, I guess we left a couple of weeks ago. We've been kind of you know just trying to search for warmer weather around San Francisco or around California, and uh, and we found some. And then we returned to Mammoth Lakes, which is not warmer weather at all. It's like thirty seven here, but it's <laughs> and snowy. And Time for skiing. We've been like we've been skiing this week. Yeah. And nice. it sounds like ski season is going to go until August this year because there's, there's been like 60 feet of snow. And then it's got to start again right after, right? Yeah, right. So we'll have like a few <laughs> a few months of no, you know, <laughs> summer's called off, I guess. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, while you were out there, you know, I was also traveling um, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, yeah, we have a lot to catch up on. But a couple of weeks ago, um, I went to Mexico for a friend's wedding, which was super fun. And then um, my girlfriend and I both came back with like a pretty, pretty gnarly stump bug that has oh, been, no. yeah, it's been going on for two weeks. So glad to finally get over that. But one thing, I'm sure you saw this, I think you did, um, but uh, that I just have to highlight uh, that I'm very excited about and proud of is the uh, the birthday. Uh, my birthday was also in that period. And she got me a birthday cake, which was a giant nostrich head <laughs> and honestly do you have to go to my did feed. you share it i did yeah did I shared it? It. Mm-hmm. Oh. my uh nostrich or ostrich story since we last hung out i don't know if you saw the um the photo that i shared it was a week after we after uh nostrica kicked off so a week later i was in uh in california back home and we ended up beginning a road trip and we drove down to uh santinez mm. which is a I call it kind of wine country of Santa Barbara or so. Um, but in Santa Inez or Solvang right next door, there's a place called Ostrich Land. Ooh. And it's like a petting zoo for ostriches. <laughs> it's like Damn. the most surprising thing to find. Uh, so I happened to be there, you know, exactly one week to the day after Nostrica. And I was standing there <laughs> by this big sign that said, welcome to Ostrich Land. I love it. I love Ostrich it. Land USA. No, yeah. no coincidences, right? <laughs> Not at all, right? <laughs> nice. Um, well, and, yeah. and while we were gone, it looks like absolutely nothing's been built on the Nothing at all. Super boring. Yeah, glad, glad we were able to skip a week or two because, yeah, just nothing, yeah. nothing going on much. Right? Exactly. <laughs> of course, we're joking because I think even today, it feels like it's a fever pitch because even yeah. today, were, were there like six new projects that all, you know, all look like they have some substantial, you know, thought behind them and and some real work. So I would say today has got to be one of the like most, I don't know, important days in the ecosystem in a long time, just the quality of the project. And we're going to talk about a bunch of them, I imagine, but um, I don't remember a day seeing so many like truly exciting new interfaces drop for Noster, new features. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it it also kind of reminded me a little bit of this thing. I, I forget where we were talking about it. If it, if it was a, another another pod somewhere, but um, we were talking about the concept that uh, in a decentralized system, it may be 
slower to get started and harder to get started yeah. because it's like nobody's really responsible. You can't just like marshal the resources of a CEO and capital and team and stuff the way you can with a centralized provider. So in a sense, centralized is easier to get started, but it has a more natural ceiling or limit to you know how much it can accomplish. Um, and decentralized is I'd say substantially harder to get started because nobody's really responsible. Nobody really owns it or controls it. Or you could even argue, you know, outside of ideology, nobody really has an incentive to spend time on it. Now, I think plenty of people choose to, but um, but it's harder to start. But in the longer run, and I think we're already seeing this, it accelerates faster. It tracks more contributors because of its neutrality. And so it's open source and everybody can contribute. And I think now it's almost like, here we are, what, only call it maybe, what, what are we, four or five months in since it's really been starting to cook, you know, y years in since it's really begun work, but um, but a few, you know, handful of months, let's say, since it's really beginning to cook. And now it's like every day there's tons yeah. of new stuff. Wow. And we're just hitting like a fever pitch of launches of cool things that any one of which could be like its own direction and bigger than, totally. you know, many other kind of platforms or services. Uh, and, and I think to your point, I mean, that, that's the, the beauty of systems like Bitcoin. And now with Noster is they're also much more resilient. It takes longer to build that kind of resilient base, although this is pretty damn fast. But once you have that sort of base built, then all of a sudden that's a foundation for everyone else to build on top of and the building can keep accelerating. Whereas other systems that are centralized, maybe they get started faster, but you have one thing that goes off the rails as inevitably that's going to happen, whether it's a regulatory mm -hmm. issue or, you know, too much traffic or whatever it is, and like everything stops. And so... I think, um, yeah, like you have to build that like strong foundation. It's resilient. And then once you do, then I think you start to fly well, spin faster. And I think we're, we're entering that phase right now. Yep. So Indeed. I love it. <laughs> cool. So I know that, uh, we have, I, th I think on Nostra, we were talking about how we actually have enough content and topics we want to address that we could probably spend three hours or more, but Easily. I think your mobile phone <laughs> charging situation and your camera situation will not allow it's been, it, three hours. It's been a complicated day, so we'll, we'll see how long we can go. <laughs> so I would say let's, uh, let's get right to it a little bit. Um, and, and also we're playing with some new things here with this, uh, the way that we share remotely. So I'm going to pull up Ooh, nice. screen share. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. I like it. Cool. Yeah. So um, why don't we start with a quick overview? I haven't taken a look at this yet. I but, just popped by the way, DK, you're, uh, as you're, you're talking, you're, uh, I don't know if this is the way it appears for the other viewers, but there's these like flashing dots that are right over your eyes. And so it looks like you have laser eyes, which is very appropriate. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, that was intentional. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> intentional. Totally. Cool. Let's check out some stats. Um, cool. Did you want to talk through what are we looking at here? Well, um, you know, to be honest, I can't see it that way. I may mean, pull it up on my eye as well. But I mean, I did look at this last night to get a good sense of where we are. I mean, I think the reality is um, if you, you know, Artur on Band, he has the high quality. He's got daily writing, you know, pub keys writing events. We usually take that out. So if you just look at that, the high quality pub keys, um, yep. You know, I, I will say it's remained relatively constant, right? Let's say somewhere on a low between like 7K and a high of like 8, 9K over the last couple of uh, couple of weeks or at least a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it seems like I, I will say given how much activity there is and given how much um, like we're actually seeing new users come on and adoption. We'll talk about some really you know famous ones. I, I am still a little surprised that it's, it's that low 
I, I would have expected to pick up a bit. I know Archer's now tracking on the site retention and, and what he thinks about that. Do you have any strong opinions about why it's still only around 8K daily actives? I mean, it's it's hard to say definitively. So you, I, I'm seeing weekly actives at about, what, 16, 16K, 17K, 18K in that range. Yeah. In daily actives, I'm seeing... If we do the high quality events, we're at about seven, seven point nine or eight k. Okay, so that's what you're talking about. Um, I, I mean, I would guess like the biggest limitation right now is that new people come on and don't get connected. Yeah. And I think there's all kinds of solutions for that that are in the works. But I think it's hard. To, you know, it's easy to come in with a flurry of activity. Hey, I heard Snowden is on. Let me go check that out. Yeah. But then, you know, Snowden has not been terribly active, which I think is fine. It's just like you know he'll come back later. Yeah. But. Um, uh, you know, Taibi just joined, right? Yeah, so that's exactly. like another rush of interest and in, in, in flood of activity. But then, you know, that, that can also, if people aren't connected to more than just that, and that's just like a moment in time, it's hard to like build real kind of network activity at the protocol layer when people are not necessarily super densely connected. So yeah. again, I would probably attribute it to just like the the lack of dis- people discovery tools, I think is one of the biggest things holding back um, more adoption, but also I think it's fine as is, you know, the, the other thing is we haven't really seen the products that are substantially different than kind of Twitter clones. Um, so I think Twitter clones are a great starting point, but it's not like the end goal of all of this is not just to build a decentralized Twitter. And so a lot of people are not going to be excited to just have Twitter again, rebuilt in a new way with some ideology that they don't necessarily understand or subscribe to. But I think it's really the new tools and new products and services that can be built um, that are going to be the the real thing. So I would say, let's just keep hanging in there with the people that love it and get it. Oh, of course. No, I mean, obviously I'm I'm, I'm as nostril as they come. I would also, I guess, I would offer a couple of comments and I I generally agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. One is that also when we, I should, I should be clear, I should clarify when I say daily actives, that's, you know, writing pubkeys right so right you know right. let's say there's somewhere on the order of sixteen thousand people a week that are writing things um if you assume that you're know, using journal sort of internet rule of thumb that's one percent that are reading right so if we assume that you know what, what would that be if we had 100x that reading i mean is that is that right that would be mm, oh. maybe 10x i might guess so, so maybe 100x is too high like, like let's say that that um you know, because 100x would be, I guess, 1.6 mil. But let's say that there's at least 10x worth of that people that are at least opening it regularly to read, you know, even if it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, like even if this um, the core group of writing users is more, is, is a greater percentage of what you would find in a forum like Reddit. Like that's still pretty damn good, right? Like if we're at six figures of people that are opening and reading every week, then I'm, I think we're pretty well on track. I do agree with you though that discovery is a huge problem. And two of the things I want to talk about today, one you know, I think um, Primal is doing a very good job. If you go to Primal's yep. uh, client and, you know, they suggest from the get-go, even if you log in with absolutely nothing, they start by showing you here, um, you know, here's a sample, good feed. Oh, yeah, cool. I'm skipping a little bit ahead here. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's sick because you come on here, right, and they have Nostra highlights by Primal, right? This is, they're taking uh, a point of view. They have an opinionated point of view and saying, yep. here's what we think is a good feed. And then when you go mm-hmm. clicking where you're clicking right there, you can also switch that out and see, well, if you don't like this feed, what are the feeds you know look like for other people that are interesting, like a Snowden, like a Jack Dorsey? And I think I think that's a really smart approach. Um, so you don't have to have any sign up. You don't have to know what a public key is. You don't have to know anything, but you get pretty good content from, from the get-go. So I think that's a really big one. Um, yep. 
And, and similarly, there's this trending 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So you can see some of the most interesting things that people are talking about mm-hmm. across the network. Um, so lots of different discovery type features, a bunch of people that are trending users you might want to follow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think these things all contribute to, uh, to, you know, better engaging people who do show up. Totally. And then the other one, I know I'm, I'm skipping a little bit ahead here, but this was the one that won the Nostra hackathon. Um, oh yeah. And I just want to pull up the name of it. It's, it's Nostra. Um, yeah, this one, this one. I got it up on the screen share right now, right? Yeah. You're, you're ahead of that. Um, Nasta was also kind of cool. I mean, I, I look at this as just like, you know, I, I'll go ahead and say it pretty quickly, but a, a really well-designed, beautiful interface for just creating your um, your profile and like really hand-holding you through it. And I love these approaches of saying, hey, how do we go build something beautiful, delightful for complete noobs and help them get from zero to, to getting started. Um, I think that's yeah, a good idea. And, and just to make sure I understand Nasta, I've, I've, I think I've seen people sharing pieces of it, but is it... It's basically like a, a hub or an identity hub on the web where you could almost like the function that a link in bio service, like a link tree might I think serve. so. Is that, yeah. Is that roughly what, but they're kind of more these beautiful pages that you can have, but they don't, it doesn't come with its own network tied in. It's more just plugs into whatever keys you're using. I think that's right. And I, I well, I think it, it, it creates the keys for you, right? Like, and then like it even gets you to like save your, you know, seed phrase to remember it. Um, I haven't, you know, again, play with it too much, but I looked at it as just like a beautiful, like onboarding app, like literally like yeah. what is Noster? Like, what is a profile? How do you get started? Um, I, I don't know then what you do from there to, you know, to plug into the various networks, but I think I, I like this idea of micro apps that are just focused on doing one thing really well. Um, so that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yep. And it has you, helps you pick relays and stuff. So I guess it does a lot of the features of a typical client, but there's no kind of client consumption experience. So do you get to the end of, here's, you mentioned like your recovery phrase, you've got your badges, you've got your relays, and then do you go from there, do they launch you into other client experiences? Or I guess they, they would if they're not building a separate, they're kind of more of a micro app for a profile instead of a, um, a communication network. Yeah, to, to be clear, client. for some reason, when I was trying to go through and do the whole onboarding, um, for some reason, I, I got stuck when I was trying to, uh, like, it says, here's your seed phrase, and the next page, I was expecting a way to write it in there. For some reason, that wasn't working for me. They showed me a new seed mm-hmm. phrase. So I don't know if that was an issue with the app, or, you know, maybe I did something wrong there. But um, my assumption would be that they point you towards various clients at the end, but I haven't cool. gotten there yet. Yep. Makes sense. Um, back on the uh, on the stats, I wanted to point out uh, one thing that I thought was cool is this this... Uh, chart shows the retention of high quality users 30 days after sign up. So basically like somebody comes on and did they find enough value? Did they get connected to enough people that they continued using it 30 days later? Mm -hmm. So you have to be getting some value out of it, presumably if you're using it uh, later like that. And I think one of the interesting things to note is if you look at the colors from left to right, those are sort of, you can think of them as cohorts of when people signed up. So people who signed up in October of 2022 are that like kind of baby blue color November of 2022 are the red, then orange is December onwards onwards. And if you look at that, you can see the retention of high quality users appears to be actually pushing up on this, right? So purple is the most recent month, oh, right? That's March. Gotcha. And that looks like a bit of an outlier in terms of retention. Right? Yeah. Like many people are, are still using it, you know, like we're above 50% at day five and day six and day seven, mm-hmm. which was not the case for any of these others. And so I'm curious, and I wonder if like 
Archer has any more detail on this, but I'm curious if that's because, you know, if those are people who came into a client like Primal that helped them get more connected more quickly, or if there's some other factor that's helping helping people make those connections so that they do stick with it, you know, 30 days later. Because yeah. it looks like it's been a been a pretty good improvement, but a pretty standout improvement in kind of the March cohorts relative to all the rest. All the rest are, you know, in the same, you know, same rough shape and position. Yeah. Uh, but, but something different here. That's a fantastic point. And Archer, if you happen to be listening to this, would love to hear if you have any additional commentary. I will say um, even the, uh, what was it? Even January, it does appear to be improving across the board. Um, February is a little bit lower. March is obviously the, the outlier. Um, but it looks like the January cohort did pretty well as well um, relative to the other ones. Not as much of an outlier in the early days. Um, but I'm curious if that's, you know, that could just be the kinds of users that came in. Um, more yeah, another static. factor, as I'm thinking about it, another factor could be that the number of new users is down yeah. a bit, which, me, which, which actually is not a bad thing. It just means people who are coming come with more understanding and purpose. So if we look on this one, it looks like people in kind of the March cohort are... Um, you know, it's it's a oh sorry that that's retention of all users. Oh, retention of all users versus high quality is kind yeah. of uh, the all users kind of an irrelevant thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I was thinking like maybe there's a little bit of a eh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a, a bit of a slowing, but well, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right hypothesis. <laughs> yeah, no, clearly something for us to think more on. But I, I get your hypothesis that they're more motivated users, right? If they if they came for, I mean, even if it's it's slowing, but the people that are coming, it's not from like the giant you know, app store release or the the buzz around. Right. Um, I'd be, I'll be yeah. curious to see. It'd be really interesting if you could try and like pick out the core by the day. So, for example, once uh, Matt Tabibi or whoever starts tweeting about it oh, on yeah. the Joe Rogan podcast, which I saw, you had an excellent little um, reaction video too. It'd be interesting to see, like, as, like, new events, like, the Jack cohort versus the Snowden cohort versus the Tabibi mm-hmm. cohort. Um, that'd right. be interesting to see. And, and, and also, to your point, just, like, just the, the, the quality of clients. Like, I, I truly believe someone coming to Primal is going to have a much better experience today than any of the other clients before just because they can start with nothing and they get a feed. Right. Yeah, and Primal wasn't out in January, so <laughs> that, that could be a good, good uh, part of the explanation. Yeah. Cool. I'm curious, have you played that, that one that was on, it, it was great that there was a mention of Nostra on the Rogan podcast because it just you know, helps more people even hear about it, be aware that it exists. But then um, I felt like the way it was represented was, you know, I covered this in the video I made. It was not quite, you know, didn't quite feel right to me. So I wonder, like, did, did you, do you already know that project? Do you know Minds? Do you know that, that guest, uh, Bill Ottman? Are, are you already familiar with a little bit? I, you know, and, and I actually haven't listened to the whole clip on, on Rogan yet. So I don't have a, a huge opinion. What I knew of him was maybe in December when I first started going really deep on Noster, I saw that they had already proposed that NIP for delegated signing. So basically they already right. had, my understanding is minds had an existing social network. I don't know how many users, but some non-trivial number of users. And they basically allowed, um, those users to let minds sign on their behalf if they wanted to publish on Noster. But I, I haven't played with the Minds interface, and I don't know like like how many users in Nostra are the Minds people. If like if it's done anything for them, if it's just like a publicity. But what was your sense of why he even integrated in the first place? Because it doesn't sound like he, he sees as much value in the decentralization. Yeah, I, I I get the sense. I mean, everything he said seemed to be like, oh well, you know, decentralized things are never going to be that good, right. so we're going to do the centralized thing instead. 
and it just seems like counterintuitive to the way we the stuff that we're excited about you know having yet another centralized provider with its own <clears throat> content moderation policy doesn't doesn't seem like it really moves the world forward in a meaningful way so kind of left me with a bad taste but but i'm also like open to being wrong or hearing that there's a different way to look at it or maybe even hearing that he's excited about ways to decentralize minds but you know as it was represented it felt like he was like oh that decentralized stuff isn't that good so we're building the centralized thing instead and then i looked at their like you know their terms of service and stuff and it kind of like indicates that that's still the way they think of it i think he said they were i think rogan said he was at two million the first time he was on the pod maybe five million or so now so he's like a subscale social network but you know still yeah it's real a, you know it, it, it's real but it but so if he took that and said hey look Let's turn that into, let's believe in the way that a decentralized version of this, like, let's decentralize the thing we have. Like, we have these users, we're going to turn them over in order for the whole ecosystem to thrive better. And we're going to carve off a piece of that. And we want to build, like, the best thing X, right? The best micro app out of what we have. Or we're going to build the best thing, but we're not going to try to control users in a way that's just, like, yet, you know, causing all the problems that sort of we see on Twitter today, but just the smaller scale. Yeah. I would be really curious if there's anyone that is um, listening or knows someone um, who a is a minds user on Nostra and has used any kind of functionality for interoperability. And maybe they have a different perspective or if Bill or someone um, from the minds team, you know, obviously, and I remember there's a post from, I think their CTO, I don't know if it was him, the CTO, um, you know, discussing why they proposed the and all that. So, I mean, that, that's like a non-trivial amount of engagement and work to do that. So, so clearly yeah, these yeah. have some benefit. And I wonder if the vision is like, hey, there's going to be a whole bunch of different centralized providers, but it's beautiful that, you know, they're somehow interoperable and like if people wanted to exit, they could maybe. Um, but I'd be right. curious, I mean, they, w w why they would dedicate resources to doing this. If they don't. Yeah, it se seems to focus on like the identity and sign-in, yeah. which is like part of it. But really what matters is like, if I log into Twitter and I write tweets to Twitter and they live in Twitter's database, then they're not really part of this ecosystem. Even if I log in with some other identity provider or identity mechanism or a delegated signing, blah, blah, blah. Like it just doesn't seem like it meaningfully fixes the problems that we're, I think, all excited to fix. So, um, but, but like, I'd love to hear that I haven't heard the whole vision Same. that there is a, a, a goal here that's consistent with kind of the, the Nostra ideals and principles. Yeah. So and regardless, we'll see if anybody knows. I'd be curious. I mean, I haven't seen many new users from Rogan, but if anyone sees those, I'd love to see those flags as well. I mean, at the very least getting a shout out there is, is, is always a good thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Um, cool. Uh, so should we move along mm -hmm. just to uh, what, give me, what's the number on your, uh, your battery just so we can pace it a That's little a bit. good question. Um, it's actually not showing on the skin. Or you can't yeah, see it. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, oh, okay. 37%. Yeah. Not okay. Great. Okay. I just want to make sure we kind of pace it. So we, <laughs> we don't let's do, you, let's uh, do one that. last thing on the stats. And then I'd love to dive into some of the projects that are, I think really, really exciting. The last thing I'm just curious cool. on is the zaps. Cause I'm always, um, I'm always curious to see how that, economy is growing um all right so you want to see daily zap amounts yeah oh i'm curious maybe just look at daily zaps to get started uh number of total zaps and it, this one yeah, right? the blue. here's daily exactly zap. and, it, and it's interesting right like it looks like you go basically through these spikes in the last couple of days have been relatively mm -hmm. consistent around call it five thousand you know somewhere between six and four thousand um Yep. And like, yeah, that's, that seems like a healthy number of zaps. Then you have these like days where it spikes like on 
April 13th, there was 15,000. And, you know, we had a high all the way back in March 23rd of 19,000 or almost 20,000. I'm guessing that some of this is motivated by the, the Zappathons. Maybe it's motivated by new people coming on board. Um, and then just if we look at the Zapp amounts, two down, the daily Zapp amounts, it's also interesting. This one? Yeah. The one below total Zapps. You want the... Zapp amounts. Daily... Yeah, I'm, is this daily zap amounts? Mm -hmm. Average zap amount, total zap amount? Yeah, I'm just curious. Total zaps. Right? We look at number of zaps and I'm just curious in terms of volume. <laughs> this was maybe the wash zapping day, so it kind of makes all the rest of it. Exactly. Um, uh, but here's here's today so far is three and a half million sets. Okay. Yeah. So so again, pretty pretty constant. There are these little spikes that seem relatively correlated, but not perfectly. Like April 14th had a much higher volume of set, total sats, but um, April 13th had a higher number. Anyways, yeah, I mean, I, it just looks like right now we have like a pretty constant little base. And then I think this is, as you've said, it's going to be this kind of thing where, you know, as long as we keep the base of users, the base of zaps going, then it prepares us for the exogenous events that you know, are kind of hard to expect that are going to spike it. And then hopefully every time it's a little bit higher, but yep. nothing too interesting. Yep. Also, I, I think we also don't yet have, I mean, I think zaps are fun for us. You know, and they're like stuff. I mean, I love to. I probably send zaps. I don't know every day or two. I send a few, and um, they're they're fun to send. But but I think it's because we are sort of like zoomed out and looking at the whole system right. and all of the cool stuff this can do. And if you you already get Bitcoin, you already get Lightning, and you already get Noster, and like then it's kind of easy to play with. But I don't think we have seen a lot of the like really you know easy to understand utility reasons that somebody would want to zap like it's not showcased in a way it doesn't help them you know express a message that they can easily see how it all works or it doesn't help them maybe unlock content or uh you know get become more visible as part of somebody's community like we, we see some of that in damas but it's not very prominent so maybe there's other types of ways to showcase who's zapping and what value they're getting from it and seeing the kinds of apps that people build that have more like more deeply integrated requirement to zap in order to get the value exchange instead of the kind of, you know, I guess I, I don't, I know some people disagree with the term tipping, but I'd say like the zap today has a bit of a feel of the tip, you know, maybe it's value for value is the right way to say it. But, um, but I think there's less of the, like it's payment for a specific service rendered the way I think we have this today in like paid relays. I think that's like one example where people want, spam cut or they want a special discovery service like on i think uh you know the wine really right. has um a, a really nice discovery service tied to the relay so i think we have like some of those but until we have tons of those and everybody's kind of using them i'm not sure that the daily zap amounts i don't know that we'd expect it to grow super fast outside of just like those of us who have you know really deeply thought about all the pieces of it and we're kind of more playing with it for fun in understanding and experimentation instead of like the actual utility. Totally. And, and I agree with that. And I actually think this is a nice segue to talk about some of the different projects because I think in order for Zaps to really, yeah. to really grow, one of two things and likely both has to happen. Either one, as you're saying, Zaps need to be tied to real utility, i.e. like you need to get some value out of Zapping. That could be paying for your relay. That could be unlocking content. There's a lot of things. And that's one area I want to talk about mm -hmm. today. And then the other area is, you know, I do think some of the, today it's like purely sort of an altruistic toy, which is fine. And that's fun for some of us. But I also think that the quote unquote yep. value for value and tipping thing will get much bigger as well once people understand why it's important. And I think it was, it was Pablo yep. today that, you know, of, of his many, many, many things he's released, 
he kind of made the point that he wants to focus more on quality of zap over quantity of zap and focusing with this new insight that you know something we've been talking about for a long time and i put out my my paper last summer about how to disrupt google that a big part of the reason you do zap is to send quality signal and there might be other ways to you know for someone to get remunerated from that but, but even just the understanding of my zap is my way of showing my fellow humans what matters and so maybe we yep. can jump into that um i have that whole section on there around like his project zap where the gg collider um yeah. i'd say let's jump right into yeah. that all right let's pop over let's see here's collider here's the zap worthy mm -hmm. so well i guess like let's say if i can uh start with okay. this so there's the taibi um you know matthew taibi is uh, pretty prominent for being the journalist who uncovered the twitter files and um, I think he was then later, he was kind of like an insider and given special access about that information um, by Elon Musk. Then I think Elon Musk <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, for business reasons, primarily, I'd guess, uh, decided to stop supporting uh, links to Substack, which was kind of the main reason that Taibi was using um, Twitter was to share links to his writing. And so um, Taibi showed up. And I think it's important because it kind of, he's somebody who's gone on this journey of like, hey, like you're an insider and you get help and boosted, but then you become an outsider and you know, you can't always trust that the current administration is going to support your needs and ideals as an independent right. voice. And so, um, so I thought that was, you know, it's meaningful that he showed up for that reason alone. And then I think the comment that he makes is actually pretty good for us to observe as we're going to launch into the mm -hmm. section on Zaps because he was saying people are right to complain about paywalling, and if there was a way to use micropayments to open the door, a lot of independent reporters would probably be for it. I think it's actually an interesting point because a lot of people are like very dismissive of, oh, micropayments, those never work. They, you know, they've been tried a million times. It's never worked. And he's a fairly large creator who has a paid audience, you know, an audience that pays him for access to his work. And he's saying like, hey, maybe like micropayments would open the door and help people get a little bit of value to try out something, and it's not always – you know, it's not always like we have no relationship or just the free relationship or I pay you monthly, but it's like something in between. And I think the more that you open up those, um, those, you know, sort of allow for the nuance and the economic demand and sort of fill in more parts of that curve or make the parts of the curve more legible or possible, the more that you actually will get people showing up to, to pay in those yeah. ways. So that's a little bit of preamble. Well, on, and I think that's important. Yeah. And maybe before we jump into into the two different options. I think I'd, yeah, I'd like to kind of paint, there's a spectrum here and he's talking about it. And I don't think it's going to be one right or the wrong. I think it's going to be all of the above. Now I'm curious how the distribution is and I think it changes over time. The spectrum being, there's always going to be room for subscriptions of some kind. And in that same quote he talks yep. about, or like another one of his quotes on Oster, you know, he still prefers in general, if possible subscriptions because it's more reliable. He's a family, wants to figure out like yep. how, how am I paying the tuition yep. or whatever it is. So that's on the one end. On the other end, I would say is pure sort of altruism and tipping, which, you know, in the case of value for value, there have been one Bitcoin tips, which Gigi, you know, has written very eloquently about how that's, if you get a big enough audience for your busking and potentially for helping to raise signal, I think there's like interesting ways to incentivize wanting to raise signal, which we'll talk about. That's on the other end. Yep. And then in the middle is just like micropayments or paywalls for individual content, which I think, you know, Someone like Gigi, who I, who I like a lot and think is a great thinker, has been extremely critical of because it kind of goes against the laws of nature of information wanting to be free. And I think he's right in the long run. But my, my best guess is we're going to see all three models 
all th- there's going to be a, a decent amount of money from all three models and it's probably going to shift over time. Like in the early days, my guess would be subscriptions and micropayments for paywalls are bigger and value for value is this kind of like niche, solid, but niche thing. And then over time, as more and more people get accustomed to how information lives on the internet, wants to be free and, you know, b- behavior changes, I think eventually the like far future decade, two decades out looks a lot more value for value. But I think all three will always be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it, there's there's so much of this is not just technology, but it's also mm-hmm. cultural, and we're just at the beginning of this even being possible. So of course we're way earlier than we have like real cultural expectations or demands or ex, you know sort of how people operate as creators or buyers of creator work. So um, I think it's going to be. I mean, look look at the transition that happened from when you know. I mean, geez, when I was a kid, we used to have like tapes and CDs that we would buy albums, right? And then we sort of got into Napster and everybody was like just trading stuff for free. And then we got like micropayments via iTunes and now like buy a lot of music that way. And then it went to streaming. And so it's not like one of those is the right true way for content to be distributed and paid for. It's just like we have, we need technology primitives to come up and then we need cultural adaptation. They need to be better and easier and unlock new, easier ways for us. And I haven't seen, I haven't seen the revenue numbers for this. I, I do think my guess is Spotify or like the bundle is by far the biggest, but I imagine Apple said still does somewhat decent volume on like buying songs and torrenting for better or worse. Like it's still a thing. It's not, it's not like any of these technologies ever die. Yeah. Right? And so I, I think all will always live there. The like relative market share they have will probably change over time depending on cultural norms, technology, but those could also shift again. Yeah. Right? Like maybe, you know, you, um, you prefer the subscription service, but once you realize there's like real direct benefit, either in how you signal information and or how you potentially earn revenue streams from curating information, maybe become much more of a quote unquote tipper. And that's, you know, that's because of both cultural, but also economic incentives changing. So yeah, I, I, th- I think there'll always be a flux. In all and, and, and we haven't overlaid yet how kind of those revenue streams should be divided. And I think this, this is a little bit in the GG article you're mentioning, but like how they should be divided among like the, is, I think there's four parties, right? There's the creator, the curator, the booster, maybe, maybe there was one other. I do. I, I, I forget all the different ones, but but maybe take yeah. a step back. From so let's, we're already kind of touching into it. So jump into that. If you haven't read, Gigi put out an excellent article. I think it was, uh, what was it? Orange words, purple highlights or no purple words, mm-hmm. orange highlights, I think something like that. And the idea, um, th- there's a lot in there, but basically the idea is very linked to ideas you've worked on for a long time, which is what would it look like if you could instead of having information live in a whole bunch of different silos, the beauty of Noster is now you can have all information potentially everywhere all at once. And because, because it's not living in all these different silos, you know, you can have applications that make it easy for you to highlight or bookmark things that you think are interesting. And in doing so, you can help bring signal for what's actually interesting. Um, and then you can get more signal related to some of the ideas that I was writing about with um, you know, sort of value rank by tipping sats to what's highlighted and the idea you know at some level is that this is how we can potentially form you know a much better open like if you think of nostra as the open library of alexandria and of course there's going to be some like permission pieces that you don't want in there but like in general it's a much more you know in fact i was talking with someone about this this morning like unlike with google today which can't read like discuss comments or facebook posts or whatever because they're in these wild gardens now you should have a much Mm -hmm. larger um 
pool or lake of information um, that, that is a much bigger sort of library of Alexandria for humanity. But then the problem becomes it just gets so big and so, you know, uh, impossible for humans to interact with it. You need some way to, to, to get the, the thing on the surface. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, tipping with Bitcoin as a part of that. Um, but I think, yeah, just starting with this concept of, okay, you bookmark or highlight what you think is interesting, and then you build tips into that. And now you can start to actually extract signal from the noise. That's like his general thesis. Um, I don't know if you have more to add on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, as as we've talked before, and as you mentioned, I it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I worked on projects like this for many years, and the reason that I really love this is because of the additional signal and quality of information because it turns everybody not from just a reader of this web page but it turns everybody into a potential writer directly in line with the web page sharing in the audiences potentially of either the people who are also reading that or who that author has already aggregated uh and so there's tons of new ways to like help people mix and collaborate when you turn what was a reading medium into more of a reading writing and participating medium um and one of the things that um, that I get really excited about is I, I've mentioned many times around how discovery is a problem and there's people working on it. And I think the primal example is good, but there's this, a very a very different kind of lens on discovery that I think this highlighting stuff does, which is, you know, let's say I don't know that this article exists, but you, Max, do. Well, Max, you're you're reading the article. While you're reading it, you might highlight part from the article. You might leave a comment on it. And that might show up, maybe it's in your default feed that you read, you know, maybe it's in my default feed that I'm reading on Nostra, maybe, maybe, there's a, maybe I'm using Domus and there's a, a, you know, a tab where I can see all the highlights from people I follow. And that actually drives me to know that the page exists and to know what your comment is and to engage with you and then also discover all these other people who are also commenting on that same page who I might not be connected to on Nostra, but that we are all sort of being we're discovering each other through this piece of content we all care enough about to read. So I think it's just like uh, an amazing new way to get people connected and to build new connections and to build new thought partnerships, you know, find new thought partners on the web. Um, but it, but it also has, uh, it, it has kind of like so much of a high threshold to work in the context of a new network, which is kind of how, I and many people have tried it before. Is like, can you make a new network around this? The beauty of doing this in Nostra is you do it just at the protocol layer. So we saw the project. Actually, do you want to jump to talk about the project that Pablo? Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I think you know, again, um, Pablo is a guy who's you know obviously uh, pretty slow to build, never really releases much. <laughs> we're, we're obviously, joking there. Pablo is like Pablo's the most prolific person I've ever seen in my entire uh -huh. life. Like we talked about this actually last Thursday. I just mentioned to him like, hey, like. You know, the, this um, there's some really cool ideas around this highlighting thing, and of course, today is already shipped uh, a version of what GG sort of envisioned. And I, well, I forget already what's in uh, Zapworthy. Yeah, Zap exactly. Right? And yeah. so here's yeah, let's right. and you can basically t take it for a little demo, but it's basically what GG was describing. You can take any you know piece of text. I think he's already um, integrated natively with Obla.news, um, and I think he has a bot on uh, on Nostra as well that you can you know take a almost any web page. One web page I tried for some reason didn't work, but you know, he, he did this with one of the articles I wrote. He did this with one of Gigi's articles, like, and then, um, essentially once it's, I guess, yeah, uploaded to, to this, uh, through this site, you can start highlighting and sharing and people can then 
tip what's highlighted and you can set splits kind of along the lines of Gigi's lightning prisms idea where any tip that's sent to that particular quote can get split between the original author and the highlighter and eventually you know it could be other people as well like the curator that shares with their audience but i think there's still some like technical issues to work around doing more than one than a two-party split at this point right sorry i i've been searching here so i was trying to pull up an example of a zap worthy highlight yeah can you see this okay so this is i'm changing my approach to zaps by upping my default zap amount and this is something that Pablo highlighted that was on, where was this thing published? Was this on Abla or this? No, I think, I think this somewhere. was um, Gigi's article that Pablo must have uploaded through Zapworthy, I think, but I'm not sure. It, it could have been on Abla. Yeah, maybe he did put it there, I'm not sure. Okay. So he has global highlights feed, highlights from people you follow, my highlights. Um, but I wanted to find, I, I'd seen an example before uh, earlier today where I think Pablo had shared, or maybe Verbericha had shared a, a link to something on Abla.news that included a highlight from uh, from Pablo, mm -hmm. if I recall. I'll have to look that up. Actually, I probably should make a, a video because people are asking, how do you even use Abla.news? It's like a, a, and Zapworthy. a big question. I think both of those now, yeah. <laughs> and Zapworthy. So let's just, let's just do a little tutorial on how it all works. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, so, yeah, so I think this is, you know, hot off the press, right? I think this came hey. to life or was t shared today, yeah. So, um, and, the, and did you, you were mentioning yeah. splits, right? Yeah. Sorry, I was No, no, that, that's fine. The, the only thing that I was mentioning was splits, I don't remember where I saw this, I think maybe it was Andre from ZBD or someone was saying that there's, um, they don't have a, a great way to do more than two-party splits at this point. Um, but eventually you could, so I think in this case, you have the publisher and the curator or the highlighter that in, that would receive the tips. And I think Pablo had it set in the example I saw like 80, 20, 80 to the author, 20 to the curator. Um, but in theory, you should be able to have one day, once the technical challenge is solved, multiple splits. So you could have the, um, the author, or the, you could, you really could, you could have the author, you could have the publisher, the site where it's published uh, originally, you could have yep. the highlighter and then you could have the sort of distributor. So it's like, if you think about the, the newspaper, you have all those different roles kind of broken out. Yeah. yeah it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> but, but pick off little, little pieces and keep it all open. Um, and actually it, it also reminds me, I had, I ran a survey on my YouTube, most of the YouTube channel is about Noster stuff. So I ran a survey and asked people how they would prefer to pay for, uh, uh, you know, the clients that they use. And one of the options, I did a poll, I think one of the options was uh, have a 1% or 2% split of zaps with the client. And that was the most voted for uh, uh, way that people would prefer to pay for clients. So once we have these kinds of splits and, and you know, prisms and stuff that we talked about before, um, that might actually be a great mechanism for the client. 100%. I think that just in general, the concept of splits and prisms or whatever you want to call it. I think Ellen Bits already has some this working with like, you know, just your one lightning address can be um, essentially like a pointer to two other lightning addresses and split that for you. I mean, I think that we're going to have, like, as you think about some of the wilder new economic models, I think that they're going to be based on this. Like, and we don't know exactly how it's all going to work, but the, the, the concept of value for value, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but like, it's got this kind of wonky name. Like, I think I like it, but one day we'll get rid of that. And it's just like, 
like what is an economy economy is just like you're just you're paying like value value should just be like how stuff works like people that contribute value should receive value and so i think in the future like you know two generations out they'll be like well of course like of course anyone that contributes gets a share of the pie and and again we talked about this as well but i think one of the if you think about just how the world works one of the beauties of silicon valley has always been that you know employees share an upside right like every employee Mm -hmm. doesn't just get paid in monopoly money but they also have capital right like real uh, a chance Mm -hmm. to accumulate real capital in the vast majority of the world that's not the case people get paid with monopoly money while people that have access to capital obviously do much better over the long run and so what's beautiful about this is now i guess money and capital are kind of the same bitcoin and you know what we're going to see in the future i think with equities is I mean, what is an equity? An equity is a share on future cash flows, as we talked about in the G Sovereignty Project. Um, and so, mm-hmm. I, and I was rocking exactly. Yeah. So, I think in the future, this this is how capitalism works. Like capitalism will work, I believe, if everyone gets to like participate in it. And if you're not paid with monopoly money, but you're paid with real money that's directly related to the success of the project. I think you're kind of taking some of that, like what's been magic about Silicon Valley and giving that to the whole world and the impacts of that are going to be massive. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I know. I can't wait for it. And I, I, have you, have you been following more his, his G sovereignty given any more indication on things happening? With no, I haven't followed or? at all, but like, I know we've, we chatted about doing a, yeah. a redux there. So I'd love to hear yeah. from Yeah. Let's do a, we got to do a recap. Cause I, I, I love the concept that, he's pursuing but then i think the idea of doing it around a creator like especially a music creator just feels really compelling because it's like in a sense simpler to pay a music creator than it is to like pay a company for their products i mean probably they could also be done but you know almost like pick off the simple problem first and g is both interested he's interested in both kind of the uh like call it you know equity crowdfunding or sort of you know ownership of a shared pie that you believe will will increase in value. And then you also have the, um, you know, he's been interested in the music platform stuff. So it feels like he's sitting at a very interesting place for, uh, you know, for, for, totally. and I know we have a lot to talk about on the music front. Do, do we want to talk about paywalls next or, or music? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see what, let me just pop through what we've got. Let me just see what we've got here in the tabs. We've got that one. I just put in, Colighter okay. is another one from Bolt.Fund that's a highlighting oh, tool. Oh, and actually, t- uh, sorry, two other things before we jump to the next step that I just want to mention. Mm-hmm. One is um, just one, like, uh, this would be a great highlight. Um, one phrase that I really loved in Gigi's article I wanted to make sure I mentioned was swarm highlights. And the reason this really mm-hmm. resonated with me is I've also been thinking a lot lately about um, AI, obviously, and we could do a whole other episode. In fact, we should with all the stuff that's happening there. And one guy that I've been paying a lot more attention to is Imad, the stability um, CEO. Um, and I, I really like so yeah. far what I've heard from him. And the thing he keeps hammering over and over is, you know, his sort of philosophy is very much push, um, you know, everything to the edges as much as possible. So you get the models and the weights out there mm-hmm. so that anyone can train on their own private data sets. And there's going to be a world of, of not competing, but call it competing and cooperating AIs and human intelligences. And he keeps using the term that I love. And it's like very much in line with the ethos of my fund, which is called Hivemind. He keeps saying swarm intelligence. And that, for whatever reason, that is really sticking with me. And when Gigi used the same term, it really stuck with me again as well. And 
part of what I'm where I'm seeing Nostra going now is that you know as you have the corpus of all human knowledge or not all human knowledge but a lot of human knowledge more than we have today is about to be on the internet right so the beauty of that then is that you can um, use that to train you know some of the foundational AI models that hopefully then can be open source for everyone but then you'll also have the ability with Nostra to permission which relays you publish to and that's cool because you know you may have this huge corpus of call it 80 to 90 percent of human knowledge the the base model is trained on the foundational model but then you might also have imagine you have a personal data set right and with that personal data set you say okay you know of my personal data my notes my calendar all this stuff you know maybe i share that at different levels maybe there's 80 percent of that that i want to share with my family and friends relay and server which we then use to train our family friends or whatever AI, so we have the foundational model trained on mm -hmm. the human corpus of Nostr. Then you have the um, sort of family model, and then all of my data I use to become my own personal assistant or AI. And you know, the beauty in all of this is not only can you have permission of how you share at what level, and more that's generally shared than not, but then you also have some of these concepts around the highlighting and the value rank to help potentially give the weights for your model and how it's going to be trained. I just like this whole idea of swarm intelligence of like. A world with tons of people, mm -hmm. tons of human intelligence, tons of artificial intelligences, all working together in, in a global hive mind. Um, that's like I would say that's my biggest like like obsession right now. Thinking mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, yeah. What's well, good? Good. Hive mind. It works out. <laughs> I think it resonates with a lot of yeah. people when people hear that. Um, I, I agree. I think Imad Mustak's uh, philosophy in approaching AI is very much aligned with kind of the push things to the edges, make things more open source, sort of whenever somebody's trying to do something centralized, be the counterweight, counterbalance to that by being the more open source edge version of it. Um, so I'm glad we've got a, a well-capitalized um, competitor in the space where if people are going to do centralized versions, he's always going to push toward the more decentralized versions or the more totally. open source versions. I think it's a, a healthy balance. Uh, if if you weren't there doing it, I'd be more worried. But <laughs> actually, I think I'm one of the few who doesn't lose a ton of sleep about the AI stuff. Like there's tons of going, tons of stuff going on. It's very exciting. But like also, I don't feel like, you know, we're about to be killed by, you know, some. <laughs> I, 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 I tend to agree with you. In fact, my broader point here is actually, I'm not that worried about it at all. Maybe I should be, but I think it's also very cool. But what I'm more interested in, again, is this intersection. This is where I'm starting to do more of my thinking right now. And, you know, potentially could be, could be a future piece, but is, um, you know, can we get essentially broader, better data sets to train the AIs on Noster and with, you know, potentially highlight plus value rank or um, trust strength as Archer calls it. I think so. Like, I think there's going to be mm -hmm. huge opportunity to, um, to use this data set uniquely um, to potentially build better AIs. Yep. hundred percent. Cool. Um, so you had a few topics. Let's see. I'm I'm not doing a great job of uh, flipping between no. our, well, and our yeah. And, and before we, I guess two last things just to wrap up on that, just to make sure I, I touch oh. on it. So I haven't seen as much with Collider, but I saw I think they got second at the um, Bolt Fun Hackathon, which is awesome. And there's definitely some sharp people on that team. So I, I would love to play with their product as well. And maybe there's opportunity for them and Pablo to to, to collaborate. That would be really cool. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention um, is uh, there was a, a, a post from Pablo, which I did not post in here, um, but 
he basically was just making the comment that as he built out, uh, you know, this new project, he was basically making the, the point that every new project he builds obviously pushes the ecosystem further because he has to build all kinds of services to support that. And so caching and various other things. And so I uh, just want to give a shout out to his project, ndk.fyi, Nostra Development Kit, which he was mentioning there. Oh, that's, that's this one. I think I have it topped up. Yeah, exactly. One, right? And so what I love about this, okay. again, is just this idea that shows the power of the open you know, protocol and the swelling network facts. As he was releasing his new highlighting project, he had to build a whole bunch of stuff for that, which makes NDK better. Every time NDK gets better, it's easier for someone to build the next version of that or whatever the next app is. And so I actually think of this as like, maybe in some ways, an even more important project. Like all these individual apps mm. help us build the infrastructure that's going to enable a thousand times more productivity in the app side. So that was cool. Right, right. Yeah, I think the the more that you've got like a great developer kit, the more kind of abstract enabling you are to like a whole ecosystem to yeah. emerge. So yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, of stuff like this. So was NDK originally instigated by Pablo or was it something he was participating in? Or, yeah, we'll have to ask him the whole history. history. I don't know if it was, I mean, I'm sure it was a collaborative idea. Um, I'm sure he was, you know, working at that. So mm -hmm. maybe NDK came from NDK. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, he's one of his many, many prolific things. Yeah. Very cool. Um, great. Uh, do you want to, yeah. Where do we want to go from here? So we've got, how's your timing doing? Is your, your battery? Still I'm at 11%, but, but what I can't, I know not a temple. But what I can do is I'm, I can try just like plugging into my computer and taking the headphones out. So let's try and I, I would say get through at least, um, the paywalls music and Nostra wallet connect and then see where things go from there. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll cover the paywall cause I tried cool. using it. Um, so this, this, uh, this thing called ZapIt.live just came mm -hmm. live yesterday. I think it was. And it's, you know, the idea of could you take a piece of media that you create and make a paywall for it so that people have to pay, you know, some sats to unlock it, unlock your piece of media. It's just a very early project. So it's like all the kinks are not ironed out yet. Um, but I figured I was going to try it anyway. So I went and made, you know, I sort of you put in a media URL, which today you do by you upload something to say Nostra.build. So you have a URL. Of course, it's not locked down on Nostra.build. So... I talked, is it Ifan, sure uh, yeah. the, the guy who made it? Something like that. Who made Zap It. Uh, I'm not sure if I said that right. But um, he's, I think he said that they're going to either work with Nostra.build to have more of a private version of it or a signed version. Um, but you could have a media URL that's not otherwise publicly available and that you actually need a special key in order to be able to download. Um, so that's not the case today, but that's you know probably the case in the future. You write in a headline and a description you an amount in sets and then you create this login key and so i did all of those steps i actually just took a image that i had um had uh created for a video i was making uh you know tutorial video i made i just like <laughs> saved the image and put it on zap it um i wouldn't recommend you buy it but um <laughs> i mean you can buy it to test i want to buy it uh, <laughs> just no it's only you're, you're getting what you pay for. It's worth Perfect. about 21 sets. <laughs> um, but it's a Nostra architecture diagram that I drew on cool. my iPad. Uh, it's just a base diagram. And so you can see this. I, I shared this link out on Nostra. You can click on the link 
and then you hit send and then you sign a transaction to send the money and then you get a link to unlock and download the uh the content so very very simple very early but like the thing works and now you can actually host content behind a paywall it's not it doesn't have all the fancy tools that you could eventually imagine you know somebody like maybe Taibi would want uh, to be able to be a replacement for some of the pieces of what he does on Substack. But this is the beginning of it. And you know, given open ecosystems, given open source software, given all the way people contribute and collaborate here, it would not surprise me if this quickly catches up or surpasses uh, you know, the other existing centralized providers of, of similar I love technologies. it. I mean, this is effectively like a gumroad, right? Or like the beginning of that, which yeah. I mean, I think yep. like it's a very simple but powerful primitive, the ability to like sell something. Yep. I love it. Yeah, totally. So that's a good one. Um, and, and, and if I'm not mistaken, was, that, was part of this, there's that NIP42 client authentication. Was that part of this as well, where now, you know, you, you can authorize specific clients to access content from Relay? I think they may have used that NIP for that project, or I don't know. I saw, I saw this, this uh, note, which was talking about NIP42. And I, I don't know that that's part of what okay. Zapit is using. I, okay. I, I suspect it's not. I think, I think my understanding of NIP42 is that it's meant to be a, a, a proposal for an alternative way to maybe accomplish a similar goal of helping con content creators showcase yeah. their work behind a paywall. Um, but this is like talking about doing it with a private paid relay. So I think if I understand right, client authentication, at least it sounds like it's as a client, I'm authenticating who I am, and then I'm getting special services back from a relay because I've authenticated right. that I am who I am. So typically, relays are meant to be built to be kind of dumb, right? They just like take messages that are signed and they serve them to whoever asked for them. And um, I think that's how relays are designed. I think that's probably good enough. We don't necessarily <laughs> need relays to do a lot more fancy stuff beyond that. Uh, so I, my guess is there's some disagreement uh, about about adding more functionality to relays besides just that. Uh, but my understanding is that if I wanted to authenticate with a relay to be able to get special services, and maybe this would be part of like paid relay infrastructure, but I think there's other ideas of like, oh, if I authenticate with this relay, um, you know, I, I can allow other people to permissionly read from my notes that uh, may not be, even if you have my notes otherwise you can't get them unless you've authenticated and you know either paid the relay and paid me via the relay or something um so i'm not an expert on nip 42 but i think the thing that zap let me get the name right zap it dot live is doing is an alternative way to do content paywalls uh and i think nip 42 is maybe just another cool yeah no, i mean I like i yeah i love the different experimentation but the concept of anything by the paywall I, again i think in the long run i'm much more bullish on value for value but i think in the short run um you know for the next year or something a lot of content creators are just going to go with this simple option and it'll work yep cool do you want to talk about you mentioned yeah so um i'll be you know publish this and I, you know, I haven't gone super deep into the NIP or the technical details, but high level, the explanation is if you're using any of the Nostr, um, like, okay, so high level, if you want to do tipping from a Nostr client today, there's like basically two ways to make that happen. Either your Nostr client builds in its own, um, 
wallet, which is fine, but that has to be at least today custodial and maybe the future can be non-custodial. Um, and you have to obviously, you know, set that up and trust them, blah, blah, blah. Or your client and, and potentially, you know, exposes them to the risk of becoming a money transmitter one day and all these other issues. Or that client has to link up with an outside wallet um, to do the payment for you. Now, if you've been using any of the web clients, like for example, a Snort, and you log in with Albi. So Albi is the browser extension, which has both your um, your Noster private key and your Lightning private key. Then you can set a budget on Albi and basically say, hey, as long as the payment's less than whatever, 10,000 stats, don't even ask me, or whatever, less than 100,000 stats in a week, mm -hmm. don't even ask me, just like spend. Um, and that's beautiful because that allows for one-click tipping. So you have this like really seamless, or one-click of, of any kind of spending. So you have this really seamless experience of set it and forget it. And it's it's just like literally the easiest, smoothest payment experience ever. You don't like forget Bitcoin. It's just beautiful. The problem then is if you go onto a mobile app, which is what a lot of people like, for example, I think both of us are daily drivers, Domus um, or Amethyst mm -hmm. for, for Android, then because they don't have built-in wallets, yeah. the tipping experience is pretty clunky because you have to, okay, here's an invoice. And then you choose the wallet. You, I mean, the way Domus worked, they finally got rid of choosing the amount uh, as the as the sort of um, default option. But you have an amount, but then you have to choose the wallet. So maybe you have to go to Cash App or Strike or whatever every time you enter the payment. And that's just a pain in the ass. Taking the user out of the out of the app is clearly a bad experience. So what Albi right. set out to do here is they put out, you know, this is all open source. It doesn't have to work with Albi. Obviously, that's you know it does work with them, but. Um, it's compatible, basically trying to make Noster and WebLN compatible such that, you know, you can, uh, essentially hook up your mobile app, your Domus or your Amethyst to Albi or to some other wallet provider and do the same thing that you're doing with your uh, extension on your phone. And you say, Hey, as long as it's whatever, less than this amount, you set a budget, give me one tap, one tip zap and I think they've already released it so the developers can integrate their um, their uh, clients with Albi or other wallets today. And I think the first one to actually do this was, in fact, Amethyst, the Android client. Um, and so my understanding is now you can already you know link up any Lightning wallet like Albi to your Amethyst on Android and do one-click tipping. So I, I think it's a pretty big deal, and I think it's going to make like the 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 easier you can make it to. Um, to integrate Lightning and Noster, like the faster commerce is going to grow on Noster, the faster the network effects spend. Mm -hmm. Great. And so just to make sure I understand, like if I have, you can see I have Albi as an extension in this mm -hmm. web browser. This is Chrome with Albi installed. So would I be able to connect my Albi account in this Chrome extension to my idea. Domus account? That like, is that... Can it do that today? My understanding like is that that's not thing it might be able to do. doable for an end user today. It would be with Amethyst. So Amethyst has already done that integration. Okay. I think um, Domus can do that integration. And they'll, they'll just have to, like, William will have to do some work on the back end to make that, that work, but the, the code's all out there to make that happen. And I think um, Amethyst is the first end user-friendly option. I see. And is that um, that's something, I guess, the, the client would have to yeah. explicitly support... An integration with Albi, it's not a... This no, is it, it, this isn't open this, so you're using WebLN. So any wallet that oh, speaks okay. WebLN is oh, okay. Albi just happens to be the, the leader, yeah. Oh, cool. So then it, it would seem like, it, I mean, if I'm Albi, why don't I just write the PR and raise the PR to get that... That's a great point. They, like they probably will. Um, I, I, think, I think right now they're okay. just kind of like... Good. Um, 
testing and seeing how the amethyst rollout goes and what works, what doesn't, but that, that would be, that'd be a great strategy. <laughs> Got it. Yep. <laughs> the next topic is like music. Like there's so much happening on the music yep. and audio side right now, which to me, I mean, honestly, my, my greatest regret in mm-hmm. life right now is like, man, like I wish I had more free time to actually go be making the music. Like <laughs> this is like, man, what a time <laughs> making music, the Renaissance right now. It's, it's just incredible. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's a whole bunch of projects to talk about. But let's it. stop. Let's start with wave. Man. So, so wave, wave Lake mm-hmm. today launched wave man, which I, I just love the design and aesthetic of this. Cause it's, it's kind of harkens back to some combination of like an, an old eight bit, you know, it's a little bit like an iPod, a little bit like a Game Boy, um, and it's called Waveman. And a little bit, I, yeah, have you actually played with it my yet? Girlfriend earlier, she loved it. Like the, the, the vibe and the aesthetic. I didn't. Yeah. So it's it's kind of got like the old dial on the uh, the iPod. It sort of has this little control panel that kind of has that feel, harkens back anyway. Um, and can you hear the audio if I play it? No. I don't know if you can hear that. Probably not. Okay, I won't play it uh, out loud. But basically, you can hit this and play or pause the music. You can zap, which of course is just going to choose an amount. Um, I'm actually, I was actually doing this. I'm going to do it, not to be cheap, but I just don't have that much in my uh, <laughs> topped up in my Albi. So I'm just going to demo this live. So I load. So now it's. I think you can't see the approved payment, right? So it launched an Albi window, and it gave me an invoice that I could copy. I'm going to do a pay now on the LB invoice. Okay. And you can see the other test transaction I did. So I did, did I do, or no, maybe I, I just did yo and maybe somebody else did. Oh, yeah. Spender, DK. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to top up my LB with a little bit more. Um, but, and then you can go next. So you kind of can play all kinds of different songs that you've got sort of tied up here. Um, so I, I just thought this was like cool because it's really like an innovative media player experience. It doesn't feel like I'm on an existing social networking client. It feels more like I'm, you know, using a purpose-built specific player for this. Uh, and and well, I just and love these. You know, I'm so. a huge fan of these guys. You're an investor way Blake as well. And like the the thing mm-hmm. that they've always had going for them. And you know, I think Sam is probably the best designer <laughs> in in bitcoin slash noster and like so that the vibe they have is always super cool obviously michael can, can ship some great stuff anyways i think what they are bringing to the table right now is an app that a normie would like like again i showed this to my girlfriend she thought it was super badass she doesn't care about noster and lightning tipping it's just like oh wow this is a cool like uh yep. retro streaming site where i can tip the artist cool and I love that. Mm-hmm. And and do you have a sense of like where this goes? Is this going to get built out to be a more full featured? Like, I mean, I I love the simplicity and the aesthetic, but I could imagine there's you know a ton a ton of other kind of features and work that could be done to to further the ecosystem. Is that kind of what they have in mind here? Or do you think this is more like a little micro demo, and then maybe the main Wave Lake site kind of supports the broader? Kind of artist well, I mean, I actually haven't spoken with them specifically about this, but my, my general take from reading Michael's announcement is uh, twofold. One, they would have learned about Noster, and this was like a simple way for them to get speed, which is great. And they actually ended up open sourcing this. So if someone else wanted to say, for example, add an additional features, like 
you know, you could actually, you could imagine someone could like kind of make a spoof on this where it's the next generation iPod. Like, you know, now you have the, the click or the one before where you had the four mm-hmm. buttons above, you know, if anyone's old enough on this podcast to remember those or to do an old Sony Walkman or whatever, <laughs> you know, the, the codes, the codes all there. So people can like put right. their GUIs on top of it or whatever. Um, but the next thing that I would expect to imagine is that, you know, Wavelink is building, in addition to just players, they're building a repository of music. And so, I mean, ideally it's going to be open over Noster as they continue to embrace it. Um, but I imagine, yeah, like kind of building that catalog and having split payments for artists and publishers and curators built in there should all be coming. So uh, I don't have any insider info, but that I would 100% expect that. And then... You know, kind of oh, yeah. in a broader music theme, I think there's this so the, stem. Yes, yeah, so, so there's so many projects out there. So I just saw this was from uh, Rock, who's, you know, I think leads design a cash app. And uh, I listened to some of his music at the very beginning, um, you know, maybe like know, three or four months ago. And he was a really talented rapper and producer. Obviously, I, I had a lot of respect for that. And yeah, it was just kind of like randomly on, on his page. Somehow, I guess I saw commented on something or whatever and he had stemster link, stemster link there i thought oh my god this is so badass um and so it's a, it's a place where people like beat makers or producers or whatever can share the song in progress or work in progress and it's an idea that i like a lot there's an app mm-hmm. that i saw a couple of years ago when i was um, at a different venture fund version one which we ended up passing on but i, I like the team a lot and they had this whole concept of like the whip the work in progress and their idea was that there was not a good place for artists to collaborate mm-hmm. like for example, if I, let's say I have some idea for like a really good like riff or some cool rhymes or something, and like, you know, most artists that they were talking to were just kind of like recording that like in, in voice notes or memos or like, you know, whatever, just like writing the idea down. But like they had this idea around a collaborative tool, which I thought was really cool. It's like, okay, like you have, you share your, your files as they progress. You share maybe the rapper, the, the, the lyrics, the beat maker, like some ideas they have, and you can keep collaborating on those. Um, and so I always thought that was a really cool like concept. Um, and then because of that, you can also, as an artist, like you have these like kind of cool raw primitives with your whips where you can be like, all right, like I will, mm-hmm. for anyone that pays me, you know, whatever X sats a month, you know, you get access to hear the whips and maybe you actually get to participate and get feedback in the process, which is like really cool for fans. And so then when I saw what he was building, I don't know all the details. In fact, I haven't even like played with it yet. I just saw the, the, the splash picture. Um, but that's what immediately jumped out to me is like yeah. the kind of like the vision they were talking about, but in a way that's much more interoperable on Noster. Um, but I love this idea that like you can potentially get people collaborating on making new projects via Noster, potentially share them with the revenue streams built in at every stage. Um, and you know, like, like I immediately saw this and was like, look, I, I would love to find new beat makers. And uh, either buy beats or like find people to collaborate with, and like if that if this becomes a marketplace for that, amazing. Right, and it looks like it integrates into a bunch of existing DAWs like Ableton, yeah, FL Studio, Logic Pro X. Um, so it seems like you could you could imagine maybe Cipher Pedal would want to. I would love to. And by the way, I mean I, I feel like I've been saying this for a while. It's just <laughs> too much on my plate, but I, I do have this album that I've been sitting on, and I need to release it. Um, you know, maybe I'll do it with, you know, Wavelink or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, and, and I would love to, we have some unreleased tracks there, like different versions of songs and be like really cool to be able to share, you know, some of the stems for that. Um, yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. Right. Have you ever seen, Mm-mm. do you know this guy, Mm-mm. Harry Mack? Have you ever seen Harry Mack? 
he's like the most amazing freestyle rapper I've ever seen. So he does these things on both on TikTok and YouTube where he goes, do you know what Omegle is? It's kind of that like, it's like kind of an anonymous video chat network. It's like, remember chat roulette back in the day? It's basically chat roulette, but you know, kind of still going. And, but this guy's like a, you know, YouTube studio. He's got a studio pro quality setup and he just does like freestyle rapping. So he shows up in front of somebody on video and he says, name me three words. I'm going to freestyle. And then he just rips it and like impressive, crazy impressive what he can accomplish. But I would love to see stuff like this integrated into that process where like you could be, you know, kind of in a chat roulette style thing, like meeting beat makers, laying down tracks, rapping over them. Just, I mean, there's so much stuff you could do if you just kind of get the content and the people together in a, an easy way and you know, where everybody gets to control their stuff and they get to still exactly. own it. I think, and I think that's how a they key want piece to. as well. It's like uh, a lot of artists have no idea how any of that stuff works. And uh, yeah, if you can, if you can build it all transparently, how revenue gets split from the, the beginning, that's huge as well. I think this is a really awesome project. I can't wait to play with it. Yeah. And I think it's stuff like this, just to, to return to some of the original ideas we've talked about earlier today or some of the stuff we've talked about before. It's the stuff like this that you couldn't really do before Noster. This is the stuff that I think is going to turbocharge. You know, I love the Twitter clones. I think it's great. But like, but I also think that like the stuff that's really going to attract new audiences is not the censorship resistance of like notes that can be written like that's super interesting and very important foundationally but i think having new features and new products and new ways to collaborate and communicate and interact and transact that's i think what really really blows up the ecosystem so i love to see stuff like this that really rethinks these primitives in a way oh all right did you have other ones that you wanted to make sure we touch on we touch on again um that, that guy that never oh, shows yeah. anything, Pablo's project, Zapster, which I think also he was working on that car which had the original idea um, for the, the, the UI or whatever the site. Um, I actually haven't played with it recently. I mean, I, we were talking in, in their Telegram group, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, um, but I know he was exploring a lot of these ideas too. So I don't have a ton more to say than that other than it seems like music is in the zeitgeist. And it seems like at this at this stage, it's a pretty good bet that music will be one of the, the next things to pop on Noster. One of the things that I, I think I just saw this, but it looks like it was part of Nostrica, but I, I think I just saw it recently. It's like a Craigslist alternative. Oh, really? also built by Pablo. <laughs> but it's basically just like an open classifieds. So you can go meet up for drinks. We'd love to meet fellow plebs in the English Midlands. And you tap on it and it's just like, it's just like interested. I guess you can post a reply to it and coordinate. You can imagine commerce, you coordinate this way. You know, light roast coffee. Somebody's, I guess, selling coffee roasted within 24 hours. So it's just basically like a almost like a commerce board. Um, but like again, you know, the concept is just super simple and dash it off and Love see it, yeah. uh, see what it takes. Um, uh, short videos is one that I was sharing a while back. So I have been excited about this idea for a long time. I think people worry a lot about the um, you know obviously like short form video is a great format for consuming information, entertainment, but uh, people are very concerned about, you know, TikTok and the algorithm and all of the problems with TikTok. But I don't think that those are necessarily problems with the format. I think those are problems with the, you know, the centralized decider of the algorithm. 
which we don't have to have that same centralized decider here. So I've, I saw this and I thought this was cool because it's the concept of using short videos. Uh, it's not an official kind yet, but you can imagine like people could build, somebody could build effectively a, a new type of Nostra client that shares videos and lets you swipe through videos and it records those consumption events out to a relay or you know, even if it has to package its own kind of content type today. And then it could read from those relays and you could actually build a whole system of uh, recommendations for video content in an open Nostra way. And then you could actually have a pluggable architecture you know, kind of swappable algorithms so that you could say, look, I, I want the, um, you know, I want to feel educated. I want to learn something. I want to be in like, uh, you know, I'm a little depressed. I want to get a little pick me up. So can you give me, uh, you know, a little bit of a happy feed right now? And so instead of just, you know, the, whatever TikTok would like to serve you, you actually could have a lot more control over the kind of consumption or browsing experience you want, which I think, again, you know, and, and, and just hearing you say that, like way. the first thing that jumps to mind, I mean, I like all those ideas, but is the um, the ability to permission what you share. And so I keep coming back to this idea over and over the wall. I hope we can have personal AIs on our phone and personal algorithms for whatever it is we want, or like a host of personal algorithms. And maybe like the core algorithm is public and trained on public data. Um, but like, I'm just thinking as an example, there might be certain cases, and I think this is where permissions of Nostra are so important. There might be certain cases where you say, you know, hey, I want to whatever, learn, and you know, t teach me how to program the faster possible, teach me calculus or whatever. And you want that shared with the public repository of data. And perhaps there's even incentives around, if you share, you get like the model back, it's better trained, and so there's some incentive around sharing it. And that's great, because then the more everyone contributes data about what's working, what's not for their learning process, uh, including your own individual process, the better the model gets for everyone, including your custom model. But then you might also have a case, like you said, if you're feeling depressed or something and you want something, like you may not want to share that with the whole world. And so it'd be very nice if you had the option to say, keep that new data set that you create from watching that video and your reactions to that video on your own server that's not shared back with the, the public model. Yes, yeah, so exactly. you can sort of exactly. the and, and, and you can separate the them all from the data, and, but you could also, right. yeah, exactly. You could like choose to contribute towards continuing to train the model publicly or privately client development that you just sort of build whatever you feel like, whatever you think is interesting. And we always think about, um, you know, things like Twitter being the global or kind of the public square, the global town square. And, and, you know, and if you want to build the best hive mind, you'd imagine that everybody who has an idea, regardless of what language they speak, should be in that same kind of uh, public square. Uh, but we can't really do that when we speak different languages. So this was like the idea that, hey, like if there's, there's a lot of people who are coming on now. I think, uh, I think like in China, there's a lot of notes getting written Japanese, in Chinese. Yeah. I think there's a lot of notes getting written in Japanese. We talked about um, the other day. But you can now have, uh, Domus has built it so you can um, configure any third-party API you want. But I think there's a few that people have used. There's one that I used. I forget what it was called. But it was one of the recommended ones. And you go get an API key from a translation service, and I think you can subscribe to it or you get a bunch free. And you put that API key in, and you configure your Domus client, and you can either have it say, always auto-translate anything you see that's Japanese, make it in my native English language, or the way I use it is actually a little bit more conservative, which is like, show me everything in I like traditional that. language. I think what I was finding was like, it was like try, attempting to like show auto-translation for everything and just kind of clutter the screen. But I love that ability to have 
like a certain kind of intelligence available at my fingertips. That's cool. Yeah, and it's, so it's like one tap to translate. And so if I ever see a note, say I see a note in J- Japanese, I can just tap translate, and it, I've already got it configured, and I can like pay for the service if I want. And it's it's just like an example of how a client developer can be like, I have this good idea, and it actually has profound impact, and that it really enables a much more global conversation that you can't do. That's when- a great point. I could totally see a world where you know there's all this news right now with Elon starting his new x.com slash AI and having truth GPT or whatever. And um, mm. I think, you right. know, that's cool. And I'm actually for, you know, someone, you know, publishing a, a non PC version of GPT chat. That's great. But I think that the danger there is even if, well, first of all, maybe we agree with Elon's version of the GPT or not. You know, we may agree today and disagree tomorrow. It's one person Two, um, he, you know, even if he actually tries to like, okay, let's just, you know, uh, spit out whatever the model wants to spit out. I mean, he can easily come into regulatory, like pressure. Right? He's, he's a single company or he's a single company. And so, whereas as we think about how yep. AI is going to get really big, really fast, I think one of the beautiful uses, again, with Noster is um, if you have AIs hosted on lots of different relays, um, then maybe this is one of the few places you can get like a real truth speaking AI and not you know, a censored version, which could be huge. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think the more you can push that to the edges and figure out the, I think like figuring out the incentives and the cost for how you manage a decentralized AI is something that we don't have any experience with. So like there's the cost to train and then there's the cost per inference and who's going <clears> to, <throat> Who's going to bear the burden of that? Who, you know, can that be shared across many different players who each contribute a little bit? And like, how do you compensate everybody? I think we know like the the format of money we could use to compensate people, but how do you decide what the value is for? Well, each imagine just of a super super transaction, right? right? And um, we already had GPT bot on on Domus, or I guess Will's one that created, but uh, on Noster. Imagine the future you have lots of different just AI chatbots, which are themselves tied to Noster keys and have also Bitcoin addresses. And you literally just like pay them a yep. question or, or it's like baked into your, you know, whatever you, you know, pay X dollars a month to your client and you get X number of calls or you pay per call, whatever. Like there's lots of ways you can figure that out. Um, but to me, just having like a place for free AIs to live is really exciting. I've got one more that I want to want to talk about just because I think it's, again, kind of a, a very specific micro perspective, um, not to show yet another Pablo. Well, if he's building 80% of projects, <laughs> projects. <we> got <laughs> that's what I said. I said, that, I don't know if you saw my note, but I said the, the biggest risk for centralization in Noster if is. If you're Pablo. that good, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, he built a thing that. called Purple Pages. Have you seen that? So it's a, a Nostra directory for your client is what he calls it. Uh, but we were we actually were on a call the other day and um, he was describing it more to me. And I think I understood it better when he described it. So I just wanted to share like my understanding based on that explanation. So it's a special kind of relay. Uh, but instead of most relays that just sort of serve all, all messages and you know sort of whatever people send to them, it is a relay that only receives a couple different kinds of messages 
And the purpose of the relay is to construct the graph of relationships between people. So it's not taking messages of like just some note that I wrote and, you know, sending that there's plenty of relays. You can get those, the notes that I wrote, but the fact that DK is here and DK follows max, there's a lot of signal there, but they're like very messy and it's hard to reconstruct. What is DK's view of the network look like? What does Max's view of the network look like? And so purple pages is like a, a relay with a very specific purpose, like a micro app version of a relay, like a micro relay purpose, which is just to help reconstruct a view of all of the relationships and follow graph and stuff uh, across Noster. So I thought that was a, a really, you know, I think it's good to try to keep exercising are thinking on what is good in Noster and how should something look? Should it be everything's an app? Should it be everything's a client? How should relays work? How should micro relay apps work or the micronization of relays work? You know, purpose specific relays or, you know, these caching layers that people are talking about now. There's just so many components. And so just like building more muscle memory and thinking, you know, brain muscle <laughs> memory on what is it what are all these pieces and how should they all fit and hang together and where the risks of centralization or where the sort of opportunities for sort of better user experiences. Um, yeah. And so I would love to see fun to, to look at it and more about as well as just like visualizations of that graph. And I'm sure RJ has some good stuff that he's working on with that as well. Like it'd be really cool just in the same way that we can see visualizations. Oh, yeah. network. I'd love to start seeing the Nostra graph. That would just be like a really cool experience for people viscerally. You know? Oh yeah. I don't know if you follow up, but it looks like uh, McShane has been posting more about Nostrasia. And it looks like, I, I don't know if this is true, if this year oh, yeah. there's going to be both yep, a larger yep. Tokyo event, which they're looking at November, December dates. I don't know if they've settled on one yet. Uh, I saw the video that yep. maybe hold up to 1,000 people, and then also a Hong Kong meetup around 100 people. Um, both look freaking amazing. And I've been wanting yep. to go to Japan for a while anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, same. Same. I already filled out the little survey to say like I'm in and I prefer I yeah. think it was you know, the early November is kind of my preference. But yeah, obviously whenever it happens okay. I'm there. So Man, that's, that's gonna Asia. be so yeah. <laughs> Nostrica yeah, think, in Asia. Yeah, that's just something for me. I think I mentioned this to you before my girlfriend's on Twitter, she mentioned that Japan was always our like, most active country. And, you know, um I it, like I only went once before for two weeks and it was Easily my favorite trip of my whole life, um, for many many reasons. Japan is just such an incredible place. Like just the quality of everything they do there is wild. It's, it's, it's incredible. But the thing, I mean, it's such a foreign. Like it's truly an alien culture in many ways. And so understanding how people in Japan and Asia mm -hmm. more broadly want to use social media tools, like you know, they've had. I guess in Japan it's more online, but in China, obviously, like WeChat, like those kinds of experiences. Do they actually like those experiences? Are they forcing them? Like, what kind of preferences are they going to have for, you know, just user interfaces and experiences around uh, Nostr? Do they want super apps? Do they not? How are they, yeah, like, how are they going to use it for commerce? What kind of stuff are they going to buy? I'm assuming it's going to probably be a lot more digital goods, things like ordinals or whatever, going to probably be very popular. You always see NFTs and cryptos mm -hmm. popping off the hardest in Korea. Anyways, I'm, I'm just, Asia is something that I, I frankly don't mm -hmm. know a ton about, like Asian cultures um, and really but there's obviously a lot of people living there there's obviously a lot of interest in Nostra there and probably bitcoin um and so personally i'm just really fascinated going on the super open mind of like how is Nostra going to get adopted and kind of molded in asia 
Yeah, yeah, likewise. I, I think there are a lot of other kind of cultural habits or traditions in how, say, online commerce, virtual goods and digital goods work, how censorship or kind of free speech works. So there's a lot of topics that Noster touches that I think um, probably, you know, broadly the continent of Asia, which, you know, has, you know, thousands of different, you know, flavors within it. Um, but there's all kinds of different sort of human habits and cultural expectations there that are already set. And so in a sense, when that other set of expectations hits this technology, totally. and what do we learn about is, how we might want to use it? The real beauty of it is now, you know, you're going to have everyone on a common publishing standard, a common monetary standard, potentially with built-in you know, translation. Like, what does it look like when you start seeing, okay, you know, users in Japan prefer this, this, you know, whatever user experience set of bike apps, users in the US are still on dominance or whatever. And like, what, what, what mashups do people on one interface mm -hmm. with a different interface? Like, what is that going to lead to? No idea. Selfishly, right. I'll just throw right. out one request for an idea. I'm very, uh, <laughs> Super cool. very big tea drinker. And, uh, I love Japanese yeah. teas, sinchas, gokuros, matchas, all of it. And uh, it'd be really cool to do some like Noster mm. tea commerce. There you go. <laughs> yeah, tea commerce. It's the new e-commerce. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. No How do you I'll say "pura vida" in Japanese? We need to learn that for our next trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get it. We'll get it. Yeah, All right, this has been fun. We'll catch you That's soon. Ne next week in San Francisco. All right.